to have some of my family with me, uh, but I've got my brother Jody. I want you to turn around and let them see your pretty face, boy. Let them see. They said you look like me now. <laughs> His wife, Heather, and my brother Jeremy, he has come from Louisiana. They have come from um, South Carolina. And uh, Jeremy and Joyce and Mr. Josiah. They're a blessing to uh, me, and uh, they'll be a blessing to you as well. I tried to get Jeremy to preach tonight for us. He's a, he's a, a preaching teacher and uh, a great teacher of the Word of God. I get a, a great devotion from him every every week. He teaches a Sunday school class at Ben's Ford Baptist Church in, in Louisiana, and he uh, sends out a, a devotion of, of really a, a, a brief word on what their Sunday school lesson is going to be on each Sunday, and I get a I get a blessing from that each time. He's a really good teacher. Stephanie does as well. She always comments on how well he writes and and uh, and shares the word. I tried to get him to share a word for us tonight, but he said he was on vacation. And uh, and uh, Jody, I tried to get him to um, pick up the guitar and 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 sing tonight. And I told him to think about it on the way up here and. They had him a pretty good ride. Y'all ever think y'all was gonna get here? Yeah. And uh, I asked him to think about it on the way. He said, but Jeremy had him looking for deer on the highway, and he wasn't able to prepare. Said he's on vacation too. So, uh, but we're glad they're they're here with us to to worship tonight and uh, open up the Word of God and see what God would have for us. So I want you to turn, if you would, to the book of Psalm, Psalm one forty three, Psalm one forty three. We're going to take a moment and and look at this psalm tonight in lieu of what we looked at this morning out of Matthew chapter 10 when we seen that that some some foundational foundational principles that would help us accomplish the vision that God has for us individually that God has for us as a family and corporately as a church as an assembly as a fellowship of believers who have been given the the duty and the great privilege of living the crucified life being one who has been called to live out as salt and light in this world we live in the life of christ and we have been given the holy spirit that abides within us to accomplish that and we said just three simple simple things it's it's not complicated at all but it is very difficult life to live a life that we can't live independent of ourselves that only christ can live in and through us but a life that is it's just it's as, as simple as as we illustrated this morning of seeking keeping and reaching people and helping them do that very same thing, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We've seen that Jesus, as he went up on the mountain, as he called the 12 apostles unto himself, the scripture says he, he called those for whom he would, whom he desired to be with him, and he appointed, he ordained that they be with him. And that as they were with him, that ordination of them being with them, that he would send them out to preach and in sending them out to preach that they would have power not only to preach the word but power and authority over the demonic forces and over sickness and over disease and over afflictions and troubles and that they through the the life of christ through the power of the spirit of god and by living by faith as they sought the lord as they kept the course that he gave them they would reach people for his glory. That's not difficult at all. It's, it's simple. We see it outlined throughout the word of God. But yet, it's a life that is very challenging, a life that is, that is very, very uh, hard. And, uh, but what a reward that it is that we can come unto him. As he says, come unto me, all ye that are that labor and are heavy laden, I shall give you rest. He'll give us rest for our souls. And he says that we can anticipate a, a rest that is coming, that when he comes, 
we will have rest from an enemy that is around us. But now we as overcomers and more than conquerors can overcome the circumstances in our life through Christ Jesus and praise God for what he has accomplished in and through our lives. And now we're going to take that very first thought of to seek him first as a principle of priority and see how that would look in the, the word of God. The question would be tonight, when are we to seek the Lord? When are we to seek him? Well, we're to seek him all the time, aren't we? That, that is the priority. As Matthew 6.33 would say, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else in life will have its proper place. It will fall in its proper place when we make that the priority of our life. But how many of us are challenged with that one priority? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a very challenge that we often find ourselves defeated in that we don't seek first the kingdom of God as that principal priority in our life. And we find ourselves, what, torn apart in mind, tortured, as we talked about even Wednesday night, how we, we said that when we worry and are anxious about things and therefore living by what we see, living by uh, sight and not walking by faith, what happens is we pull our minds apart as if we are, we are torturing ourselves because our minds are divided and not single upon the Lord. Well, how are we to seek him? If we're going to seek him in all things, how are we to seek him? Scripture said we're to seek him with wholeheartedly, with all our heart. Therefore, that would mean when we seek him wholeheartedly that the scripture would, would illustrate that we're seeking him by faith. Because the Bible says that he who comes to God, who, who seeks God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And it is impossible, the scripture says, to please God apart from faith. And faith only cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're looking at a life that is living out the revelation, the life-breathing word of hearing from God because we're seeking him and spending time with him. And from there, everything else, we launch out from there. We talked about that course, how it's each one is given to us. It's all different. None of us have the same course. Even though Stephanie and I are one flesh, we are, we are husband and wife. We, we've been married for 21 years and, and, and are one. And as a family, we serve and minister. But I can't be her wife. Amen? Praise God. Man, aren't you glad you wasn't a woman? Come on. Women, aren't you glad you ain't a man? Oh, dirty, nasty man. Praise the Lord. Amen? Praise God that as we are one we still each have a course that God lays before us to run. And the only way I'm to run that course that he gives us to keep that course, that joy that is set before us as that joy that was set before the Lord, which that joy is the will of God. And we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if we keep the course, if we keep the will of God, as we sought the face of God, it is inevitable we will be strengthened to accomplish the purpose that he gives us because we're walking by faith. And when we do so, we're strengthened in faith to bring glory and honor to the Lord. So when are we to seek him? In everything. How are we to seek him? wholeheartedly with all our heart because the scripture says in jeremiah when you seek him with your whole heart you shall what you shall find him and that is a great promise isn't it for you who make this a practice in life to seek the lord you know he can be found and that he delights to be found he wants to be found and the entire message of the word of god the entire message of the cross of calvary the entire life of Christ is one big invitation to seek me, to seek him so that we could know him and know his ways. And as we know him as the one who reigns over our life, we'll also know 
his ways through life to bring glory to him. Now, let's look at this passage of the scripture. I'm going to get you to stand and honor and reverence and reading to it. If you would tonight, we're going to look. I'm just going to read the whole Psalm, Psalm 143. And I want you to hear David. Now, exactly the circumstance David was in when he penned this of the Holy Ghost before God, we're not quite sure. But I can I, I can get a glimpse of, in my mind, uh, a time when the Bible says that David was tested of the Lord and he raised up the enemy of God, Satan himself, to tempt David. And David wound up numbering the people of Israel when he was not supposed to. And when he did that, there was a calamity that fell upon the people. We read about that recently. Remember, 70,000 people died, and that enemy overwhelmed David, and David went out and set out his heart, and he saw the angel of the Lord over a certain place, and as he did, he went. Remember, God gave him an option of what he wanted done. What, what would he want done? Did, did he want people to die, or, or what would it be? And David, what was David's response to the Lord? Those three things God offered that, that he would do to David or to the city? And David said, God, you know what's best. And God slew 70,000 people that night. That's a lot of people, isn't it? But he saw the angel of the Lord. He went, and there he made a sacrifice, and it was upon that place where he eventually made that sacrifice and paid that cost before God is where the temple of the Lord was built by Solomon. On that very place where that altar was built, where that, that night that he was able to build before the Lord. Now, this may not be it. I, I can just visualize this in my mind because David was deceived in what he did and he was taken captive and now he's crying for help before the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication in thy faithfulness. Answer me and in thy righteousness and enter not into judgment with thy servant. For in thy sight, shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have long been dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate i remember the days of old i meditate on all thy works i muse on the work of my hands i stretch forth my hands unto thee my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land Selah. hear me speedily o lord my spirit faileth Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy cut off my enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Father, thank you for the, the comfort of the Scriptures that gives a meager man like myself hope. Lord, I want to bless you as I enter into your presence tonight and humble myself in your sight and ask you, Lord, to speak to us, to help us. Lord, we want to we be, uh, we wanna be a, a group of people who follow your leadership and you have led us to seek you first. We won't understand our, our condition apart from you. Yes, we know that as, as a believer in Christ for us that are in this place that have been washed in the blood, that have a relationship with you, 
we want to see tonight. Even in light of the fact that we are yours, your servant, just how useless we are without seeking you. Lord, help us see that and help us walk in thy ways. Teach us your truth. I pray that you would continually just bring forth and manifest your anointing tonight. And Lord, we will, we will praise you. We will rejoice before you. Thank you for gathering us together. Now, if you don't meet with us, it would be in vain. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this, it is obvious that David finds himself in trouble. He says in verse number 11, quicken me. The word quicken is the idea of what we cry out or we seek and we pray for revival. Revive me, O Lord. For thy name's sake, not, not because I want something or because I can use something or I could need something. God, I'm asking you to do something with me. Give me life for your name's sake, for your glory, for your praise. For thy righteousness sake, bring my soul out of trouble. David is saying, as we see in verse number one, look in verse one. He says, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications in thy faithfulness. Answer me and in thy righteousness. I think what he's saying now, I'm in trouble and I deserve to be where I'm at. I, I, I don't I'm not asking you to get me out of trouble because I deserve to be out of it. I'm not asking you to get me out of where I'm at because I've done what is right. I'm asking you to get me out of trouble because you are righteous and you are faithful and I am thine servant. And God, even though I'm unfaithful, you can't deny yourself. I'm yours. And I'm not asking you to do it because I can find praise and adoration for it. I'm seeking you and asking you because I am in trouble and it is my fault that I am where I am. He says it in verse number 2, And enter not into judgment with thine servant, for in thy sight shall no living be justified. Now that's a word we need to cling to. Because we don't stand before the Lord today in our righteousness, do we? We don't stand before him as someone who wants to enter in the judgment with God on, and we come in to, to, to show our innocence in this. We're as guilty as guilty can be. And we come before him, even in this Old Testament example, we understand from the New Testament principle that we are right before the throne of God and I am as righteous tonight, as right as I'll ever be because my righteousness is not dependent upon me. My righteousness, his name is Jesus, amen? So therefore I come pleading Jesus over my life, not, not for, for Nick's sake, not for your sake, not for Briggs' sake, not for our sake, but for Jesus' sake, Lord. Remember, remember what you've accomplished for us. So I, I really believe that when we approach the things of God and we find ourselves wherever we are, and oftentimes I believe we miss this, we don't believe or think we're really in trouble when we are in trouble. I think the wisdom that we find here with David is that he, he sees it. But we find ourselves often in life doing what we normally do and going about our daily routines without really seeking God. And we're going to learn from even in this passage that when we do that, we're really in trouble and we don't even know it. And what we need to glean from this is that a life that is set apart to seek God in all things wholeheartedly anything other than that is a life set up and prepared for trouble and we're at fault he says in verse number three for the enemy hath persecuted my soul he hath smitten my life down to the ground he hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead I, 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 what I gleaned from this is that he's already prefaced this thought. He's not putting the blame on the enemy. He's saying, I'm in trouble and I'm the fault of it. But God, I've also been deceived. I've been led astray. 
The enemy took advantage of my own weakness and my own flesh that led me in the trouble, and he just laid a trap out there for me, and I took a hold of that trap, and he brought me in. And now I find myself abiding in darkness apart from your light, and I don't like where I'm at. I've been deceived, oh God. I'm at fault, and I'm in trouble because I've let something lure me away that seemed to be promising to me, but in the end it only brought darkness, and now I'm in a trap, and I can't get out on my own. But I'm looking unto you. I'm asking you to help me. And he says in verse number 4, it's got me to a place because of this, because I'm like a man in darkness, a man in darkness that has has been long dead is, is somebody who has no effect on this earth. Somebody who's been long dead that's in the grave in darkness, they're not accomplishing things on this earth, are they? They're dead. He's going to illustrate that again in a moment when he doesn't hear from the Lord. He's no different than somebody that who is in the grave as well. He has no effect upon the society. Here's David, the king, who finds himself in a position, whatever he's in and wherever he's at, and he's saying, I, I'm, I'm not the, the, the man that, that you want me to be. I'm not the one that you've set me apart to be. I'm not touching people's lives and helping them. Matter of fact, I've created turmoil for us. And people around me are perishing. And I'm useless on this earth because I'm at fault and I've been deceived and took a hold of the trap. And he goes on to say in verse number 5, I, I remember the days of old and I meditate on all thy works and I muse on all the work of thine hands. But I, I, I like that because... He's thinking about where he's at, but he's going back to a day when he wasn't there and he walked in the light. And he understood the difference between being in darkness and the light. And that's the neat thing about walking with the Lord, that when you find yourself in darkness, you may get there because of your own fault and being deceived by the enemy. But when you're there, you, re you, find, you realize you're there and you can recognize the difference between the light and the dark. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When it gets quiet around your life and you're not hearing from the Lord and God's not giving you clear revelation on what's coming and what's going on in your life. Don't you notice when you're in the room and the lights go out? The difference between light and darkness, things you, you can't see. You can't see that far in, in front of you. You ever been in a place where it's so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of you? You see, but if you're not careful, this is what happens. Let's turn out the lights in here for a moment and see. Let's look. Turn them lights out. Let's take a moment. You ever get in the dark like this and your eyes begin to adjust to the darkness and you can see a little bit? Don't take a whole lot of time, but... It's normally when the light first goes out when things seem to be the most dark, doesn't it? But over time, your pupils begin to dilate, and it begins taking all the light that you can possibly take in. And before you know it, those are in the back. You can start seeing even me up here in the front. I know we got a little light in here, but we get used to the darkness because there's a little glimmer of things that we can see. See, I can start seeing in the back back there uh, that back door that I couldn't see uh, just a, a few seconds ago because my eyes are adjusting. I can see Davin's head back there. You can't see me? Y'all in the front can see me, can't you? You can see my feet, oh, but you can't see my face. Y'all can't see it getting a little bit lighter in here? Can you see me now? 
I can see you. I can see now I can see the silhouette of just about everybody in here. You see, we all see things differently. Some of us can actually see better than others. Some of you in here are about blind, aren't you? Even with light, you can't see. Can you see me yet? You can see me now? You can see my silhouette now? I'm not going to tell you. Then I'd give it away. You'll, 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 you'll put me up here on your mind. I'm moving, huh? Hey, isn't, isn't it something? Oh, you see, your, your eyes are just, there's nothing changed in here. It's definitely not getting any lighter outside, is it? It's only getting more dark. But see, over time, some of us go a little bit slower than the others, but our eyes begin to adjust. I can actually see now not just your silhouettes, but I can see Brittany lifting her arm up. And I can see pews now. And I, and the longer we stay in here, I believe the clearer things will become for us. And the reason sometimes we don't find ourselves in trouble is because we don't got used to darkness. And our eyes have gotten adjusted to live in darkness and not the light. But David got to a place where he realized that this enemy had deceived him and where he was at was not a good place. And he wanted to get back in the light. And that's why he asked God to revive him. And you know how it is when you turn on the lights after your eyes have gotten adjusted to the dark? It's pretty bright, isn't it? I think they, when you turn the lights off, it's, as, it's the darkest point. And then when you turn them back on, it's the, it's the brightest point. Even though it's at, I don't, can y'all see me now? Isn't it neat how it's only getting darker outside and we're getting less light? And the, the fact is that the more I talk, the clearer you can see me. Like I said, some of you are blind. Turn that light on. See, everybody, they'll kind of squinch your eyes a little bit. Why, why is that? What's going on with your eyes, your pupils right now? They were what? They opened up so that they can take in the maximum light that they possibly can. And so when you turned on that light, your eyes are still dilated, so they're drawing all that light in. Now your eyes got to adjust, and they start closing down on you. So that you're not bringing all that light in. Only the light you need to be able to see. And what we see here in this passage. What David did is that he began to remember. He remembered a day of what it was to walk in the light. He remembered. He says I remember the days of old. God how you work with the people of God. And what you've done throughout creation. I remember things i remember in my own life when i used to when i used to be out shepherding for uh, my father's flock and and you would protect me and you would provide for me i remember when i was sent by my father to go bring a, a blessing to my brothers and i show up and there's a battle going on with goliath and i remember how you gave me confidence and faith that when i heard the enemy blaspheming your name that it done something within me and I remember how you instructed and gave me a word and I was ready to take on Goliath and not only him but anybody else who would get in the way of the things of God and the people of God. I remember, but now I find myself in this place of, of darkness and torment and fear and deception where there was a time when I walked in the light that I was not afraid of anything, that I was not intimidated by anyone that I understood what I was set apart to do, but now I find myself in great conflict. 
And I find myself wondering where to take the next step and wondering if I'm doing this right and wondering if I should do this and wondering if I should do that. I remember the days of old when I walked with clarity with you and confidence with you. And God, I, I want to I get back to that place. Have you ever been there where you, you began to remember what it was like when, when things were, were clearer for you? Remember some of you that can't see how it used to be when you didn't have to put contacts in? My bride's blind. If she didn't have contacts in, she couldn't see me up here tonight without contacts. And she'd been blind from a little girl. There was probably a point in time where she could see. When she gets a new fresh set of contacts and she puts them in and walks out because her eyes are constantly getting worse, she walks out and says, oh, I can see the leaves again on the trees. But remembering things of old, bringing it back to what it was like when I walked in the light, of the joy that I had, the peace that protected me, the steadfastness that I walked in. He, he remembered that. Then he began to reflect, or what I passage would say, to meditate, to think on all thy works. He thought about your, your power and your majesty your righteousness your holiness he began to, to to reflect upon it and to ponder it and to think on it and when you're in a dark place and you're remembering what it was like to be in the light and you remember and reflecting on god's handiwork and how he does things and he says then i begin to I begin to repeat to myself the word muse. I muse over the work of my hands. It means to have a conversation to utter. You ever talk to yourself? Not just talking about in your mind. You know, you, you think and you ponder things in your mind. He was doing that. He was reflecting on these things. But then he got to talking to himself. Sometimes I'm going down the highway and the road and I go to talking to myself, preaching to myself, singing to myself, reflecting and talking unto the Lord. I bet you people beside me think I'm crazy. Thinking we got a lunatic over here. Look at him. You ever see people going down the road doing something and they, they look like they're doing something funny and you, you showing everybody else that's with you and say, look at that fool over there. they just having a party by themselves. Well, he began to, to, to speak he began to utter. He began to utter the things of God. And I believe that's a blessing that, that God gives us, not only to be able to remember what he's done and to reflect on how he works, but also to be able to speak it out so that not only do we speak it with our mouth, but we hear it with our ear. You know, the Bible says there's a blessing and not only uh, the, 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 the reading of the word, but the hearing of the word and the obeying of the word. I love to read out loud. I read out loud to myself all the time. I hear things differently when I, when I read it out loud. When I accent a word and I don't say words properly, I understand that. But I may pick up on something when I read it out loud that I never got when I was reading it silently to myself. Yesterday, as Brother Roy was reading to us down the highway, he was doing his quiet time, his devotion time, uh, as we left, I got him up real early yesterday morning and took him in the woods back here. We pulled out about 5.15 and went and sat on a, on a, uh, a deer stand back here, and we sat to nearly 10 o'clock. About 8.30 or so, he's asking me if I got any snacks in my bag. And I got hungry. He wanted to know if I had any any sardines or any uh, potted meat or some Vienna sausage or something. Anything. What do you got? I said, you with the wrong guy. I don't have any of that. We ain't out here that long. We got in, walked in the house. Lydia was getting dressed. Mama was already gone. Called my brother and them, and they was going to be eating lunch about 1 o'clock. And Brother Roy was wanting to know if we was going to do some eggs or something. I said, no, we're going to eat lunch in a little bit. We get in the car, and boy, I was a little, you know how it is when you get a little, when you've been hunting, you know how when you come in after that first little bit of time, you kind of, uh, you kind of could easily uh, take a quick little nap, couldn't you? Especially if you're riding down the road. Well, I'm thinking, we're fixing to ride down the road, and I'm going to get me a little nap while he's driving. Well, he throws me the keys and said, won't you drive? 
So that cut that out, and he pulls out his Bible. He's going to do his Bible time. And I said, well, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to read out loud because I, I want to hear what, you, what you're reading in. So he read out loud, and, boy, there was a several passages in there that as he read it, it really, man, it did just, it, it was alive. It was living, and it blessed me. And what we need to do, as David did, when he found himself in trouble because of his own fault, because he was deceived now in darkness, he began to reflect and remember, and he began to repeat within, with his own mouth what God had done in his life. He mused over it. He meditated on it. He chewed on it. And he says, from there, what did he do? He stretched forth. I stretch forth my hand, in verse 6, unto thee, for my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. I'm in darkness. I'm in trouble. I'm musing on your word. But the more I think about it and the more I repeat it to myself, I can't help but get thirsty for you, God. I'm in a parched land, and I need you. Stephanie told me today, she said, Nick, I'm thirsty. We ain't got no, we don't have no bottle of water. We done run out of water. I had a glass there. She said, let me, let me, give me a sip of that. I done drank three 16-ounce bottles of water in the last couple of hours. I can't, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Four, nearly four bottles of water in a short period. You ever just get thirsty? But have you ever been thirsty for God? You know, we know what it's like to really be thirsty and, and want that thirst quenched and how it is to, to have the old cotton mouth. You ever get cotton mouth before with your old mouth? I mean, you just want something in it. Don't, you don't need a whole lot, just something in it. It's so your mouth's sticking together. And, and how it is to take a, 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 just a glass of water and take a good sip of water and how it, it, it helps you. But how often do we find ourselves, as we see here, where he's thirsty for the Lord? What was that song you and Davin sang the other day? As the deer panteth for the water brook, my soul panteth after thee. Do our souls really don't pant after the Lord? Well, the question would be, how often am I seeking the Lord? That would be a determination just how thirsty we really are. Amen? You see, but we find ourselves most thirsty when we're in the driest place. He says that, I, Lord, I'm dry. Look, I, I'm in trouble. I'm at fault. I'm deceived. And I'm dry. I need you. I need you, O oh God. And he says in verse number 7, Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me. Lisa, I be like unto them that goeth down to the pit. He says, I'm useless without a word from you. I believe this is where I want to, where, where I really want us to think on tonight. Just, I'm useless in this dry place. I'm useless without you. He says, hear me speedily. All we can say, answer quickly. Mamas, have you ever been talking to your children and you're talking with them and they're not paying any attention to you and you say, do you hear me? Have you ever been talking to your spouse or a friend and they kind of in another world? No pointing fingers. Have you ever been in a position like that where you're talking and you finally just say, are you listening to me? Did you hear what I just say? When you say that, what are you asking them? What, what, when you say, are you listening to me? Did you hear what I just said? Tell me, you've said it before. What, what are you asking for? Why are you not acknowledging and responding to me? What he's saying to the Lord, not that he's asking God why not. He's saying, Lord, respond to me quickly. Because I'm parched in this position. And that I'm, real, I'm, I'm useless. I'm useless as a dead man if you don't speak to me. We don't think that way, do we? 
we think we got something really to benefit people, but we're, we're often not hearing from the Lord, though, are we? We don't really see ourselves in this position that we're as useless as a dead man. Now, what can a dead man do on this earth? What can they do? Physically, what can they do? Nothing. They can't do one single thing from a physical standpoint on this earth other than fertilize the ground. That's it. Now, that's, the, that's blunt, knowing that we all have loved ones that have died. The Bible says absent from the body is what? Our loved ones are not out in, in a cemetery in a grave anywhere. They're either with the Lord or they're separated from him in a place of torment or hell, of hell. But from a physical standpoint, there's not one thing that they can do on this earth to benefit or help people. And the king is saying, unless you answer me, bring a word to me and shine your face upon me, Look on me with favor, not because of me, but for your namesake, for your righteousness, in your faithfulness, and in your righteousness, I'm useless as a dead man. I'm of no value to anybody. You see, we're not going to keep the course, and we won't be any value to reach people if we don't seek and hear a word from him. Amen? We're useless. Now, we could attempt this and attempt that, but we but it, it's, it has no eternal value to it unless we are, as a priority, seeking him as a way of life with our whole heart. So that when we do this, it's because we've heard from him. And as we've heard from him and keep the course, it's inevitable we'll be beneficial on this earth to people because we'll be reaching people for his glory. Amen? Amen. But, he, but he takes it and says, I'm useless, but he also says, I understand who I am and I understand where I'm at, but he says, I'm listening, Lord. Here I am. He says, calls me, verse 8, calls me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust, calls me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift my soul unto thee. Calls me to know. Calls me to hear. Calls me to hear your way. Thy loving kindness is a word that, that meets the, the idea of his mercies are new every morning. The word mercy, the word loving kindness, the word steadfast love, the idea is God relentless love toward his covenant promises. Let me hear of your faithful covenant promises. I've got to hear that, O oh God, so that I can know what I am to do and where I am to go. Now, this is where we need to live. Amen? Calls me to hear and calls me to know. I'm listening. I'm listening for you. Because if you don't speak to me and you don't show me, I'm going to go places I should not go. And I'm going to reach people I should have not reached. And I'm going to influence people that I should have not have influenced with an influence that is not of you, but of me. Cause me to know. I believe I've done some damage in my past. I believe I've influenced some people in the wrong direction because I did what I did out of my own natural resources and not God causing me to hear his way and to know the way in I should go. And I was as useless and as of any value as a dead man on the earth. But what we want to do is find ourselves in a position where we're listening when we seek him. That means I, I'm going to him before the Lord in a spirit of, of non-ceasing prayer in his word to know his ways but I'm praying and living in a place where God can speak to me throughout the day. Not just the morning time. Amen? Amen. I mean, that should be a given that we seek God face to face in the morning, that he feed us, we feed upon him because we're seeking him. 
but what I do there should carry on throughout the given day, even though I may have to pick up a hammer, even though I may need to be in a vehicle, even though I may be instructing uh, uh, on, on a blackboard, even though I may be making an order on the phone, even though I may be ministering to a person, I'm seeking the Lord and asking him to cause me to know the way that I should go. And I'm asking him to fill me with his presence and do what he's on, only he can do through my life. And I'm listening for him to what? As David would say, here he is, this humble king. He says in verse number 9, Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies, for I flee unto thee to hide me. So teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. He said, I'm listening. Deliver me, teach me, guide me, lead me. Whatever you have to do for your glory, do it in my life. I'm an available servant before you. Kind of sounds like a living sacrifice to me. That presents his body unto the Lord, holy and acceptable unto him. That he may be transformed, not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the Lord through the renewing of your mind that you can go forth and do what? Prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Saying, Lord, I'm listening. I give myself to thee as a man or woman raised from the dead in Christ Jesus. Now send me forth to accomplish your purpose in glory. But unless you speak to me, I cannot do it on my own. How many of you say some? this is foreign stuff to me? I'm not living my life this way. Be honest. I'm not living this way. I'm not really seeking you, God, in such a way that I believe that my next step can't happen for your glory unless you guide me. We're not living that way. Say amen. Amen. How do I know that? Because our lives would be uniquely different, wouldn't they? They would. You see what I, 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 what I mean when I started out? We are in trouble. We just don't realize we're in trouble. David realized he was in trouble of his own fault, of his own desire, and was led by deception and found himself, what? Accustomed to the darkness that he'd been in. But he got dry and thirsty for something more for God himself. And he said, God, I'm listening. I'm a useless man. I'm listening for you. And he asked the God to do what only God can do. And what he said was this. And this is the sum of it all. I am yours. I'm yours. I'm thy servant. I realize that. I see that. Life's not about me. Life's not about Nick Holden or Davin or Stephanie or any of us, life is to be spent for your glory. And I'm thy servant. Notice what he said in verse 12. And of thy mercy cut off my enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. I am yours. Jesus died so that we could be his. Amen. His life for our life. His blood shed to cover our lives. So that we could live a crucified life. I want you to be honest tonight. How many of us can honestly say that would characterize us living a crucified life? Dying to self day on the day. Seeking the face of the Lord. Keeping to the course that he's given us reaching people for his glory. Well, let's do what David did. He remembered what it was like to walk in victory, power. He reflected upon it and what God has done for so many and what God is doing right now. God's working in mighty ways around the world right now. I love reading things of what he's doing and how he's working. 
and how he's doing miraculous things with people, using people to do things that would just blow our mind. Yet we're not seeing it right around us, are we? Why? I'm talking about, I'm not talking about just big things in great numbers. I'm just talking about victory where villages are being transformed for the glory of God who had never known the Lord. That the gospel's coming in and changing people's hearts and their lives are being transformed. Or, or how a mama will stand up when her, when her husband was killed for the sake of the gospel and she's got little ones all around her, but they won't, they won't yield to those around them. Their eyes are set fixed upon Jesus at whatever the cost. Most of us are not living that way. We've gotten accustomed to our surroundings. But if we're going to fulfill this vision of seeking, keeping, and reaching, we've got to come to that place of just humble honesty before the Lord and realize well, we are in trouble and it's our own fault. We have been deceived. We are dry. We are useless. But I'm listening. I'm listening. Lord, I'm your servant. Don't do it for me. Do it for your glory. Here I am. I present myself to you. Start right here tonight for his glory. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege of the fact that we can say that we are children of, of God, joint heirs with Christ, given dominion and power and authority to go in your name and to be your representative upon this earth. Lord, we just want to acknowledge tonight that we, we want to see who we are. And as we seek your face, it's inevitable that as a corporate body, as families and as individuals, you will show us who we are. So help us, O oh God. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.